Welcome back. We are the 12 sided guys. We have Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Joff. Oh, no, that was terrifying. <laughs> that was terrible. What was that? I was like being seduced by Pine. <laughs> I was digging it. I was digging it. Hello there. We have Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Joff. That's me. Jordan playing Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina playing Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, playing with my food because my mom's not here to tell me not to because I'm an adult <laughs> and I do what I want. Thanks for... <laughs> you I'm pretty sure I warned you guys they're going to get worse and worse. Anyway, thanks for joining us during your workout, commute, hangout, and or night-night time. Hopefully, you have some ideas and theories about what's going on behind the scenes in the campaign. You know, it sure would be nice to talk with someone about those nuggets you've gleaned by paying such close attention so far. I know, tell a friend. Maybe they'll have some ideas that you hadn't thought of yet. Also, the Patreon has a wiki, maps, and other bonus content at certain tiers to help you keep everything straight. So check that out at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. That's one, two-sidedguys. And for all you patrons out there, if any of you are ever in the Portland metro area and want to go sing some karaoke with me, Paul, let me know. Just email me, paul at 12sidedguys.com, and we'll try to make something work. I recently went and sang some karaoke with our patron, Gina, and we had a great time. Apparently, I'm her wonder wall. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say sorry, Gina? Normally, Scott, you'd go too, but it sounds like you picked up a smoking habit recently. <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, I just need to say sorry that I couldn't make it. Um, I, I probably had Omicron, so, you know, oh, life goes well, on. You're on Dude, the mend. That's wasn't good. He the guy who, wasn't he the guy who, like... Killed Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if playing with your food makes you think of the Wildcat Cafe, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 49. Wildcat Cafe. Do you know that? Uh -huh. So just picture a sexy cat woman wearing a uh, sports bra and no pants. Of course. And she's got a staff with claws on either ends. Man, bet that stirred up some feelings in you. It did. Oh my goodness, it did. <laughs> but not as much as Blue the Snake Lady. I don't know why, That's but true. Blue the Snake Lady did it for me. <laughs> the cat girl's name was Cat. With a K, though. <laughs> with a K. That's so creative. This was... Um... Breath of Fire 2. Oh, I just picked up the new Breath of Wild. It's pretty good. Wait, wait, wait. There's a new one? Wait, Breath of the Wild or Breath no, of Fire? No, not Breath of the Wild. Sorry, Fire Emblem. Jesus, Scott. Oh, oh Fire sorry. Emblem. I'm, okay. like, so I'm like, I'm still like <laughs> out of it. I've got so That's many fair. drugs in me I'm right now. I'm looking at the symptoms for Omicron. Yeah. That's super fair. Oh, it's right here, mixing up Nintendo games. That's a symptom of Omicron. There you yes, go. That is one of the symptoms. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can't catch it by listening to the podcast, though. It's true. And we're and we're all <laughs> safely true. in our own homes recording. Yes. Virtually. We are quarantined away from Scott. Yes. As far as you know. And <laughs> Wait, I thought this was an Ebby Joff thing, not a Jordan Scott thing. <laughs> well, you know. I can picture Jordan like sneaking up behind Scott right now and just like rubbing his shoulders. There, there, Scott. <laughs> oh my god you'll never know Paul <laughs> yeah I guess that's just a secret between me and Jordan 
and everybody that <laughs> listens to the podcast, <laughs> which includes Australia, apparently. Damn. Oh yeah, Australia took off this uh, this month. Wow. Australia took off. So right. hey, anyone who's listening out in Australia, I was gonna say good day, but I'll say thank G'day. you. For, <laughs> thank you for listening. Good on you. That's Bonzer. That's real. That's really Bonzer, mate. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, fair Dinkum. <laughs> fair Dinkum. <laughs> I love that one. It's so weird. Most of the Australian slang I learned from the menu at Outback Steakhouse. Nice. <laughs> oh, Bloomin' Onion. Yes. Oh. <laughs> That's the only slang oh I know. Bloomin' Onion. Oh, gosh. <sighs> All right. Well, welcome back to the underground facility deep in the glass mountains beneath the Stormfist village of Summerhome. You have now gone down into, I believe this is the fifth floor down of this facility and last time there were some crazy electrical traps that um joff managed to pretty much get through unscathed i think one time he did take a hit and even the half damage was pretty substantial um but he managed to use his um was it uncanny dodge as well as that ring of evasion to very good effect and managed to get through all the traps uh, drop the lightning and even pick up some spare feet for Ebby. <laughs> I know that sounds odd, but that really did happen. <laughs> I like to imagine that he was just kind of cartwheeling the whole time. He was just doing cartwheels. So so people who will do fan yes. art, can we get some fan art of Joff cartwheeling between lightning bolts? That was in my <laughs> yes. exact thought. I was thinking he was like a Simbo- Simone Biles kind of like, yes. like, <laughs> best, like cartwheeling, <laughs> leaping, like graceful, beautiful. Like Randolph the, backhands, the lightning and bolts stuff. were arcing around Squire too. So make sure you know for the fan out fan art out there, you gotta have a silhouette of Squire too. Yeah, actually, actually, yes. Nice. For the fan art, I want to see Joff and Squire doing the bird pose from Dirty Dancing um, with lightning all over the place. <laughs> this is very specific. Oh my gosh, that is so good. That is so good. Well, anyway, um, enough laughter because you guys went down one more floor to this fifth floor, and I believe that Joff opened the door and instantly heard a very loud booming voice. This is after already hearing some big thudding footsteps, even from the floor above. You could hear them down here. And as I recall, the voice said something to the effect of, Initiate primary directive. Delay your meal. And that is where we are. Let me describe the room again real quick while everybody rolls initiative. So this room is a large square room along the walls on the eastern wall and the western wall. Each wall has three large furnaces that are um, alive with fire. Next to each of those furnaces is a lever in the ground, as well as an anvil. And then in the middle of the room, in two rows, there are eight grates, four um, that are kind of more on the western side and four that are more on the eastern side. Grates that are uh, spaced evenly down the middle of the room, and you can see glowing uh, fire or embers coming off of those grates. This room is very bright just with the fire and the heat coming uh, from these furnaces and from these grates on the ground. So, what did everybody roll for initiative? Ebby rolled an 11. Joff got a 16. Nari rolled a 1 uh, for 4 total. Pine got a 2 for a 6. 
Oh my gosh, you guys. Uh, Bringing the heat tonight. Get out of our way, <laughs> bad guys. We're not going to have a repeat of the Viper fight, I think. <laughs> Where we were able to kill it before it did anything. I don't think that that's um, possible at this point. Oh, and a uh, quick thing yeah. too, Paul. For those... The new feet for Ebby, I haven't had time to, like, attune to those just yet, right? No, you have not. Wait, wait, wait. So, for level 8, Ebby got a new feet and some new feet? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely! Oh, <my> <laughs> oh, that was terrible. First try! <laughs> Nailed it. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, um, you, you had asked about those feet and attuning to them. Just remember that they are going to take an attunement slot that you already have used, because you already, I think yes. you have three attuned items. Okay, just I a do. heads up. Yep. All right, very good. The players have not seen what is in this room yet, but they are in a small little room uh, on the northwest edge with the door that opens up into this large square room. And so we are going to start, and the first to go is Joff. All right. I'm going to use um, Ancestral Guidance, and I'm going to give that blessing to me, Nari, and Pine. And so any attack roll or uh, saving throw, you can roll a d4 and add that to it. And I'm going to take a step into the room and kind of peek around the corner to see if there's anything that I can see. As you step into the room, you can see the edge. Whoa, whoa, wait. The guitar player from U2 is here? <laughs> the, the edge. edge you... The edge. The edge. Uh, Joff, as you step into the room, you can see that this room is not exactly square. On the north end, there is kind of this large alcove. You can see that it looks like it's flanked by these two um, braziers. Not braziers, braziers um, that are also glowing with some intense heat, and you can see some kind of massive construct. You can't see it clearly yet, but you can see that this thing is very, very large, easily 20 feet, maybe 25 feet tall. Um, it looks humanoid in shape. Uh, it looks to be made of um, of metal. Uh, brass and steel um it looks also covered in soot and um maybe some oil and things like that but it is uh, this massive construct it does not look like ebby where ebby has kind of that same kind of humanity that um that natural movement uh this looks more like the automatons upstairs the smithing ormex and the anvil ormex from a couple of episodes ago uh that moved a little bit more robotically but that is what you can see at this point, Joff. Okay, I am going to look back over my shoulder uh, through the doorway and say, this thing's huge. We're in for a, a tough fight, it looks like. And that will be my turn. Okay. And you guys are lucky because layer actions are not gonna start until next turn. Magister Colbury's turn. He's going to cast a spell. And uh, anybody who's looking at Magister Colbury can see that suddenly his body shifts just a few, maybe seven or eight inches over to one side. And um, then he starts to kind of move uh, towards the door, but kind of getting behind Pine and Nari um, as cover. And you can see that he actually has uh, in his hands, he has some uh, energy starting to well up. He is holding a spell um, ready to unleash it 
uh, uh, if the opportunity arises. Ebby, that brings us to you. You are still back in this northwestern room. Um, you can see that Joff has entered the room and um, Nari and Pine are waiting for their turn. Right. I am going to go ahead and step kind of over here next to Joff and then sidestep into the corner where kind of next to that lever, it looks like. Okay. And I'm going to ask, what do you suppose these do? And could I roll any kind of like an insider investigation check to kind of see if I can get any kind of thoughts on what this is attributed to? Sure. I'll say you can roll either one. Uh, and I only rolled a nine. Okay. I mean, all, all I can tell you is that it's uh, it's mechanical in nature. It's right here next to this very first furnace. So on this western wall, there are three that are kind of lined up uh, from north to south. And this first uh, lever is right next to that northernmost furnace on this western mm. wall. I think it makes ice cream. Oh boy. <laughs> Seems as likely as anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. But I think it's ice cream. Soft, sir. Mystery solved. Like, really soft. I'll take a swirl on a sugar cone. Well, is that your turn then, Abby? Uh, I think so. I think um, I'd like to... Let me ready a dodge action just in case I okay. get attacked. But I don't, okay. I don't think I'm going to engage in anything just yet. Okay. Well, that brings us now to this massive construct. This massive construct that we are calling the Forge Master Ormek. You hear thud, 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 thud as this thing comes moving down into view. And as you look, you see this massive construct with like a little window on his chest plate and you can see like glowing fire. And even behind where his eyes are in this, in the, uh, in the kind of the, face mask of this of this large robot you can see that the glowing embers of fire um, this guy seems to feed off of it and he moves over these grates and he moves up 15 feet from Joff and he swings at Joff with one huge arm wow from 15 feet away from 15 feet Oof. away Yikes. thought I'd be safe over here apparently not Ooh, a 25 to hit you, Joff. That does hit. Okay, Joff. Um, I know you guys can do this. That sounded so not confident in us being <laughs> able to do this. Okay. 20 bludgeoning damage. Oof. Okay. And 6 fire damage. Okay. Um, I'm <sighs> going to have Squire protect me a little bit. Okay. And we'll half that. So which one, is, does he have all the damage or just one of the types? When an attacker that you can see hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction to half the attack's damage against you. Okay, you get to half all of it then, that's great. Okay. That's fantastic. So what was it then? It was 26, so you got 13 damage. Well, that still hurts. Oh yeah, and he's going to swing at you again. Oh. With a 21 to hit. Well, that hurts too. Hold on, before that happens... I'm going to use my new avatar of Moshe protective wings and um, as a reaction, grant him a plus three to his AC. I don't know if that's going to be enough, but. Oh, no, uh, that's my AC would be 20 with plus three. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> oh, oh golly. All right. Well, here we go. Here is the damage for this second hit. Oh, no. 25 and 11. 36 damage. Well, 
Joff is unconscious. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So the Bayard blessing is is gone. So you don't okay. get to add. I'm the never D4 gonna hit anything anybody. in this fight now. <laughs> okay. So here's my question. Joff, what items do you have attuned what to? Items do I have attuned to? Yeah. Um presently I have the Scimitar of Life Stealing and the Ring of Evasion and the Boots with the Fur. Okay, got it. All right. Well, that is his turn. Pine, you are up. Okay, well, seeing what just happened, uh, I feel like somebody's got to engage with this thing, but Joff is down. I'm going to go all protective on him then. I'm I'm going to uh, come around through the doorway and I'm going to use my action to give Joff 20 points of Commander's Morale. Wow, thank you. And then um, I'm going to move up closer to this guy, hopefully draw some of his attacks. Pine, when you're standing there next to Joff, when you look up to move closer, I just want you to make a quick perception check. Okay. I got a nine. Okay. All right. You move up closer. Yep. And then I'm going to say, Field Marshal, sir, I ask your aid. And I'm going to toss out Kenneth Zestock behind him. That's a 19 to hit. That'll hit. For nine force damage. Nine force damage. Huzzah. We're crushing it. <laughs> I know. Okay. Um, so, Pine, as you step closer, you can see um, the heat radiating off of this guy. And you get the distinct impression that if you are too close to him for too long, uh, you're going to start taking some damage just from being in his proximity. Okay. All right. Yeah, you failed your perception check. Otherwise, you would have seen like wavy air in front of him of heat. So, but now you feel it. Yeah, hopefully this will keep like Joff from getting into that radius until until Joff goes headlong into battle to attack at melee style. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> That's my turn. All right, Nari, that brings us to you, the last in the order. Okay, so for the first thing Nari is going to do is cast her Shield of Faith to bump up her AC. Um, and then she's she's going to run in and uh, help out Joff and Pine. And she's going to run up to this bad boy and swing at him. Okay, perfect. And so just so everyone's aware where they're standing, it looks like uh, Nari is now um, just really close to one of those grates that the you can, you can see the fire coming up uh, underneath the grates. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and make your attacks on this uh, Forge Master. Nice. So the first one was a 25 to hit. That is a hit. Okay. Uh, and that's going to do 11 damage. And then I am also going to use my Axe of the Adjudicator to have him uh, make a Wisdom save, right? Yes, it is a Wisdom save. This is technically not a charm. Nice. Okay, his wisdom save. Oh, his wisdom save is only a 10. You may have just saved the day right there. All right, grovel. Oh my gosh. So then I I hit him again with the the axe. So that's a 21 to hit. That's a hit. For nine damage. Okay. I'm going to action surge because we're here right now. Okay. Uh, So that's a 20 to hit. That's a hit. For 17 damage. Oh my gosh. You are just (laughs) laying into this guy. 21 to hit. What? Oh my god. Nine damage. <laughs> this what is great. In the world. Oh my gosh. I'm okay. not sure if Nari's stronger than it or it's stronger than Nari. Wow. <laughs> well, we'll see because 
Now he's going to use a legendary action. As you are standing there, Nari, next to this grate, suddenly um, he kind of looks down at the grate and he raises his hand up and fire comes shooting out of that grate. And anybody within five feet of that grate needs to make a dexterity save. Difficulty 18. You get to add four to it. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, with four, um, that brings me up to six. <laughs> so great. You take 22 fire damage and you are now on fire. Oh. I am going to use my stone's endurance to reduce that damage by a d12, which it will be by 10. So full oh, damage. Man. What a round! Holy moly, you guys... Well, he took down Joff, and then... Wow. Man, Nari, you dealt some serious damage. All right. Is that your turn, then, Nari? Yeah, I guess that'll be enough. <laughs> that'll do. Until next round. That brings us now to the top of the round, and initiative 20, a layer action. Suddenly emanating out from this uh, giant Ormek, you see this large cloud of steam surround him and anybody within 20 feet of him is completely obscured. You can't see anything in front of you, which means even if you know where he is, you have disadvantage on all attacks against him, but he has disadvantage on attacks against you as well. Joff, you are up. You are in this cloud of steam. I think Ugh. the only people who are not in the cloud of steam are Ebby and uh, Magister Colbury. Okay, so Joff will get back up to his feet. He's a little rattled, but he's going to he's going to cast a spell, and a translucent shield appears uh, a, a couple feet in front of him, and it bears the crest of the Bayard family on it, and it just is hovering around him and protecting him. So this gives me a plus two to my AC. So my AC now is 19. Oh, fantastic. And that that is a bonus action. And, uh, I mean, Mr. Pine knows me too well. So I'm going to run in. <laughs> Actually, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay where I'm at for now, and I'm going to throw my Chakram. Okay. Um, I got a 16 to hit with disadvantage. That hits. Oh, wow. Yeah, that will hit. Okay, so five damage. I rolled as, okay. as small as I could. So, And that will be my turn. Perfect. Now, is um, a quick question for uh, Sabrina. It, Nari's Shield of Faith, is that a concentration spell? Yes, up to 10 minutes. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and make a, const a constitution check to make sure you can keep it up. I think that you only ended up taking, what, how many damage, how much damage did you take from the fire? Like 20 damage or something like that? Uh, it was supposed to be 22, but I reduced it by 10, so I took 12. Yeah, so you just uh, need to make a, a, a 10 uh, on your constitution save. Sweet, okay, I got a 15. Perfect, okay, you still have Shield of Faith up. Is anybody else going to mention the fact that Paul said make a constitution save to see if you can keep it up? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness one must Thanks. test their vigor <laughs> okay all right well how about this another legendary action boom this same grate is going to flare up again uh, uh nari we need to make another uh, another dexterity save uh, difficulty 18 add four to it uh with four that ends up being 16 <sighs> 19 damage fire damage okay 
Pine, you feel it flare up, but you're just barely out of reach of it. Okay. All right. And that brings us to Magister Colbury. Um, after seeing this Ormek, he totally rethinks what he was going to do. Um, and now he can't see um, because of the total obscuring of the uh, of the Ormek. So he's going to move down into the room. He comes over and starts to inspect uh, the uh, one of the levers on the wall. He pulls the middle one on the western wall. The only person who can see what happens is Ebby. Everyone else is in the fog or in the uh, steam cloud. So Ebby, why don't you make a quick perception check as uh, Colbury rushes past you and pulls on uh, the lever. Yeah, absolutely. I rolled a 21. You see the uh, fire in the, um, in the furnace there dim and go out. And with your 21, you also can kind of see, um, I think you can see just barely like one of these grates. You see the light underneath that grate dim just the slightest bit. Okay, cool. Ebby, it's your turn. All right. Well, that makes things kind of easier then. Um, I guess that would be an item interaction. Does that act as an action for me? Nope. You can just, that's just an item interaction. Okay, cool. Um, I'll pull the lever next to me. Okay, you see the furnace next to you also dim. And again, you see the grates, uh, the light in the grates dims as well. Okay, cool. Um, the next thing I need to do, the tough thing is like, I want to heal, but if I can't see people, then I don't know that I can target them for healing. Here's what I'm going to try and do. I'm not sure if you would consider this a magical effect, but do I get the sense that dispel magic might help to get rid of the steam? Make a quick arcana check. Oh, please be decent. Really low difficulty. Just 10. Oh, 12. Uh, this is not a magical effect. This is actual steam that came um, kind of pulsing out of the out of the armor of this Ormac. Darn. All the times I should have prepared a wind spell. Didn't think I'd need that down in the in a dungeon. No way. <laughs> All right. Let me know how you want to handle this, Paul. I'm going to kind of wander my way into the fray. Okay. And I'm going to try to aim to bump into Nari if possible. Okay. Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you want me to like roll a dice to see where I might end you, up? You know what? I'll say that since it's only half of your movement, we can say you walked very carefully and you were feeling out with your hands. So you can get there. I'd say that's fine. I don't think okay. we need to roll anything for that. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to say that. And I'm like, don't worry, guys. Help's on the way. It'll be okay. And uh, <laughs> using an item, is that count as like a bonus action? Or is that just kind of like one free mean, action how does that when work? you pulled the lever yeah yeah that was a free action so you can pull okay. one lever per round and it won't affect anything okay cool um then i will use my bonus action to go ahead and call forth the unicorn totem okay and we're going to keep him just south of me right next to me and the moment i bump into nari i'm gonna cast cure wounds at a second level okay four 16 healing, and then everybody in the area gets healed for an additional eight. Oh, man. Oh, man. And that will be it for my turn. Well, fantastic, because now it is the Ormex turn. And guess what? After this, his legendary actions reset. So he is going to take two attacks. No, one he needs to grovel. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. He needs to grovel. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, get down on your knees, my dude. In your face, he, Dungeon Master. 
He does it. <laughs> he does it. Oh man. Well, that's going to negate um, the uh, advantage, the disadvantage you guys have. So now to hit him, his his legendary actions still reset. I think he still gets to do his legendary actions, but he does not get to take his actions this turn. My goodness. Okay, that's his turn. He gets down and bows his head. You can hear him move in front of you, but you can't really see very well. And that will bring us now to Pine. Okay, so I looked at the description of the spell and nowhere in there does it say you have to be able to see the target for Kenneg's S-Talk to work. It just has to be within five feet of it. So there's nothing about, about vision. So Kenneg's S-Talk first is going to make a strike. Uh, that's uh, only a 14 to hit. You hear a big loud clang as it clangs off this thing's back. Okay, all right. Come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, so I'll, then I will take uh, two attacks with my um, Menarest Officer Saber, level two. Okay. First is a nap one. My second attack was a 13, so that, is, that is another miss. that is also a miss. You feel like you're hitting him, but you're just not finding those uh, those uh, places where you can get through those thick, thick steel plates. I will attempt to just skirt around him just a little bit more so that we're not so bunched up. I know I can't see, but I mean, I, I think I'd be able to just kind of like move five feet northeast, right? Uh, yeah, you can do that. But uh, I forgot at the beginning of your turn, you need to make a, a difficulty 18 constitution saving throw. Okay, here I go. That's a 23. Nice. Okay. Um, okay, well, you know what? You are immune to the heat radiating off of this guy. Oh, sweet. Yes. Okay. You know why? It's because I took off my winter clothes, so I'm not getting too hot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I forgot about that. You left those in the chasm. I know, which All is right. now blocked off by a crystal wall, so who knows? I'm, we're going to come out in the middle of the mountain somewhere if we ever make it out of here, and I'm going to freeze to death. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Nari, it is your turn. I need you to make a constitution save. Difficulty 18. All right. Got a 20 on that. You are immune to the aura of embers. Nice. Technically, it was a 24. Wait, oh, yeah, because of the, yes. Yeah, because you're still within 10 feet of me, yeah. Nice. Cool, okay. Uh, and then I am going to strike out at this guy uh, 13 to hit. That's a miss. And then I'm going to go again. Oh, no, with a 10 to hit. Damn it. Oh, gosh. Um. Okay, I am going to heal myself a little bit with my second wind. And actually, Ebby healed me. Never mind. No, I'm just going to I'm going to hang out here for a minute. Okay. Then I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Man, I got another uh nat 1 for 2. Okay. You take 12 damage and I also forgot you were on fire, so you're also going to take some damage for being on fire. So you take 12 fire damage right there and then you are going to take an additional 7 fire damage. Okay. Because you are already on fire. All right. Back up to the top of the order. It is another initiative 20, and the steam cloud disperses. Yay! I can see him again. But suddenly he stomps on the ground and starts slamming his fist on the ground, and the whole room starts to shake. And what I need is I need everyone to make a dexterity saving throw difficulty 15. So that means uh, I think I think Ebby and Nari are still within my aura, so they get to add four to it. Oh, good. Well, that brings me up to seven. <laughs> Woohoo! I rolled a 23. Yeah, Jeff also rolled really poor. 
I got a nine. And and Pine only rolled a three, so he ended up with an eleven. So here's what happens: Joff, Nari, and Pine are all knocked prone. Oh, and I better check on Magister Colbury too. This is gonna be great. Magister Colbury <laughs> is knocked prone as well. Come on, guys. <laughs> All right, uh, Joff, it is your turn. There is still one more well. <laughs> legendary action after your turn, just so you know. So uh, Joff is going to stand up um, for half his movement. I'm going to approach the construct and strike at it, but then move up towards the same side of the room with Mr. Pine. So I'm going to strike at it with my scimitar as I'm kind of running past. Okay. For a 20 to hit. That will hit. Oh, wait. With advantage, just in case I, I get a crit. Oh, he is still prone. Yes, he is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I did axe. roll higher, but I didn't get a crit. So, oh. um, so nine slashing damage, 11. Oh, my gosh. I rolled so bad on the sneak attack. And 11 precision for a total of 20 damage. Oh, my gosh. Still. And, you know, we're in a tight spot, so I'm going to hit him with my offhand. For a 14 to hit. That's a miss. That clanks off of his armor. Yeah. Okay. And that will be my turn. Okay. Um, you are prone, Nari. So a dexterity save with disadvantage. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, <sighs> uh, I, I rolled a two with disadvantage again. And again, this great flares up dealing 15 fire damage. You are the only one in the radius of this great, but you take 15 fire damage. Well, I guess that lever did nothing, Ebby. <laughs> so, uh, anybody can make a perception check. That's another nat one. And we're just racking them up today. I got a four. Nari, while getting burned, really had some perception with a nat 20 for 28. <laughs> Ebby got okay. a nine. Yeah, Joff got a 26. Okay, so Nari and Joff, you guys had great rolls. You both notice, even though it hurts you uh, a ton, Nari, and it's hard to look at the flame, you notice that the flame is lower than it was the first time it flared up. Substantially lower. In fact, maybe even 2d6 worth of damage lower. Ooh. Mm. And that brings us now to Colbry. Let's see if Colbry realized that. Nope. Okay, Colbry can now see this construct. He is going to now cast magical missiles and uh, three darts go flying by, dealing a total of 13 damage to this guy. Ebby, I am going to need you to make a constitution save as you are still in within 10 feet of this guy. You can feel the the heat coming off of him. Okie dokie. Here we go. Go ahead and add four to it. Yay. 25. <sighs> okay. Well, you are immune <laughs> to the aura of embers as well. All righty. So the only person now who has to worry about it is uh, Joff and Colbury, and Colbury's uh, not getting anywhere closer to this this bad dude. Okay, Ebby, it's your turn. What are you going to do? Okay, so first thing, I'll, I will yell to Colbury and say, turn all of the switches that you can as quickly as possible. And then I'm going to use my action to actually try to put out the flames that are on Nari. Okay. And then I'm going to use my bonus action to cast a level two... Erdos's word on her to heal her for eight damage or eight healing points, and then everybody in the aura gets an additional eight healing. 
Man. You're a hero, Abby. That's huge. No worries on your feet. You've got this. Um, so Nari is still prone and so is Pine. This construct is no longer groveling. You can see him get up or you can see it get up off the ground. You hear the clanking of gears and 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 things. You can you can see as you guys have been hitting it, you can see like there is some crystal like energy glowing in there along with all this fire and flame. And he is going to take two attacks, one against Nari and one against Pine, both with advantage. So Nari, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> I rolled a one and a three. Um, so with the three, that's a 14. Does that hit you, Nari? No. Oh my gosh. And Pine? Okay, yeah, a 29 is gonna hit you. Yep, pretty much. Okay, so the damage that you take, 18 bludgeoning damage, Okay. plus six fire damage for a total of 24 damage. Okay. And his uh, legendary actions have now reset again. Pine, it is your turn. Okay, Pine's going to stand up, so he's no longer prone. And then uh, he's going to go ahead and take... <laughs> Let's do Kenneg's S-Talk first. Okay. Uh, 12 to hit will miss. Again, another big loud clang. Okay. All right, well, then I'm going to go at him with my saber. Okay. 17 to hit. That will hit. All right, and I will say, unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury. And I will do, and my initial damage is going to be 10. Okay. And then the uh, Swordmaster's Fury, the two additional swipes are going to be another seven damage. Okay, so that's your first attack. And my, here comes my second attack. That's a 24 to hit. That's a hit. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna roll. That's 12 slashing damage. Uh, and I will say, unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury again, and uh, do another two d eight damage. Okay, for another for another eight damage. Oh man, got to do it when you hit, because you never know when you're gonna hit again. I never hit. Uh, so that was seventeen on the first one, twenty on the second. So that's thirty seven damage. That's a good round for you. Yes, and that's uh, awesome. That's my whole turn. Okay. All right, um, let's see then. Um, we have Nari, I'm gonna need you to make another dexterity saving throw with disadvantage. It is not Nari's day. She got a uh, six on that. Okay, that is 13 fire damage. And again, you are on fire. At the beginning of your turn, you are going to take some damage. Oof. And it is your turn. You are still lying there prone. And the very first thing that happens is you take 2d6 fire damage. That's seven more fire damage. Okay, uh, so the first thing Nari is going to do is going to use her second wind to regain a little bit of health, 13 points. Um, and then I am going to stand up and attack at this guy again. Okay. Uh, with a 14 to hit. That's a miss. Oh my goodness. And then a nine to hit. And that's another miss. Okay. Um, now I'm going to... Yeah, I'm actually just, I'm going to stay exactly there. It's fine. Well, then that brings us back up to the top, which is 20 initiative again, which means suddenly the uh, the shaking of the earth stops. And again, a cloud of steam erupts from the armor plating of this giant Ormek. And he is obscured. Again, come on, get a new shtick. 
advantages. He's got two, okay, here's the deal. He's got two different layer actions. And in all honesty, I thought maybe he'd get to do one, judging on how my bad guys usually go. Um, <laughs> Do you remember the Viper from our random save game? He did oh, not yeah. even get a turn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you also remember how we've been rolling these past couple episodes too. I knew you guys would bring it. You guys, would, you guys would get it together. All right. I need Joff. It's your turn. So at the beginning of your turn, I need you to make a constitution save. Difficulty 18. Plus four. As you are within his uh, aura of embers. I'm going to say that a lot. Just, I just, I want to make sure everybody gets good use of that. that. <laughs> Or I have. There's almost no chance that I'm going to pass it. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, so my constitution is plus one. I rolled an 18. Oh my god. And then plus um, four from Mr. Pine. So I got a 23. <laughs> <sighs> Shoot. I was really hoping for 3d6 damage every once in a while to uh, of, of fire damage to you guys. But it looks like you guys are all immune except for Colbury. And Colbury uh, is not getting anywhere near this guy. So, Joff, it is your turn. Okay, so first thing Joff is going to do is he's going to kind of shout at Nari just south of him and say, Nari, you're standing over that flame. Move away from it. And then he's going to step to the other side of Mr. Pine and attack at the construct with his scimitar, but with disadvantage because of, you know. Yep. I got a 13 to hit. That is going to be miss. Yeah, I will try again with my chakram, but we'll see. Uh, 12 to hit. You, uh, you, you actually, this thing is so big, it's hard to miss it, but you just can't find those, uh, those weak spots and you, you clang off of his armor plating. And, uh, is that your turn, Joff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also imagine like he's so, he's like 25 feet tall. So my head probably isn't even up to his groin. So I'm like hitting his, his knee and his thigh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This thing is massive. Pine is jumping up and aiming for the groin, but <laughs> <laughs> take that. <laughs> And caracals are good at jumping. Jumping, they too. are. That's like yes. that's part of what they do. Um, okay, it is now uh, Magister Colby's turn. But before his turn, uh, there is one more legendary action. So, uh, Nari, make a dexterity saving throw. Difficulty eighteen. You are now standing. Oh man, he hates you. Eight. Well, actually, plus four, so twenty-two. Oh, you remembered. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pine. So, Nari, you are still on fire from last time. This time, you're only going to take half damage, which is going to be... Oh, only nine damage. So, that's only, that's only going to be four fire damage. Huzzah! All right. So, now, Colbry, it's his turn. He is going to stand up from being prone. He's going to move down 15 feet and barely reach this last lever on this western wall. And he flips it. And you guys... Well, actually, the only person who can see it is Colbury because everybody else is obscured by uh, steam. But Colbury sees that these grates on the floor dim a little bit more. All right. Now that brings us to Ebby. All right. Well, I think before the steam erupted one more time, I think the last thing Ebby saw was Nari get up, catch on fire again, and then start attacking... <laughs> This guy, or actually, I think catch on fire first, then get up and keep <laughs> yes. going. Yes, that is so, how it went. <laughs> so get I think it. he's gonna kind of lunge forward through the smoke and just grab onto Nari and start trying to pat her down and like put the fire out. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'll use my action to do that, and then I will use a third level Erdos's word on Nari and say, "Come on, you can do this. I believe in you." and heal her for 14, and then again, everybody gets healed for an additional eight. Dang. 
Man, level eight, you guys are strong. Nice. All well, right. the unicorn totem is very powerful. Is very powerful. Yeah. I, yeah. This has worked shockingly well this whole campaign. Um, but that's <laughs> it for Evie. Okay. Well, that means it is now this construct's turn again. Um, and now it has four targets to choose from with disadvantage. Yes. But let's see. Uh, we're going to see who he's going to go for. Um, we have got uh, the first one. Oh, Ebby, you've got a swing coming your way. All righty. And Nari, you've got a swing coming your way. Okay. So Ebby, with disadvantage, does a 21 hit you? Actually... Let's see. I'm going to use my Moshe's protection thing and give myself plus three AC and it will not hit me. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. So uh, these kind of ethereal greenish energy wings, kind of this magical wings kind of envelop around my body, kind of erupt out of the back and kind of cocoon the body in these kind of in this greenish glow. I imagine them as actually looking like bird wings, so not metallic or bat-like or anything like that. No, like they are like a spiritual manifestation of the wings that Ebby likely gave up in gaining his metal body. That's so cool. That's awesome. So does the does the blow actually glance aside or does it reflect off? Does it does the fist kind of bounce off? I think I think it's probably a glancing blow. It probably is enough just to deflect it to the side. Awesome. All right. That's awesome. Now let's see what Nari can do. <laughs> you got any other tricks up your sleeve, Nari? Oh, He's going to, oh, a 26 to hit you. Yeah, that'll do it. All right. And the amount of damage you are going to take is going to be, that's 22 bludgeoning damage. Holy cow. And 16 fire damage. Oof. Man, I'm not feeling great. That is 38 damage with one hit. And his legendary actions have reset. Okay. Pine, you are up. You cannot see what's going on around you, but you can hear this huge giant construct slamming down on your allies. Okay. Um, first, Kenneth's desk talk, and then I'll take some swings with my sword. Kenneth's desk talk, that is an, uh, that's a nat one already without disadvantage, so that's okay. not going to work. All right, and uh, fine, what do you got? First is a 12, second is a 9. Clang, clang. Okay, is that your turn then, Pine? You gonna move, you gonna stay put? Um, yeah, I'm actually gonna move back down to where I was, just in case anybody starts to shift around anymore. I wanna make sure that everybody stays in my aura. Got it, okay. All right, that brings us now to another legendary action, and this great is going to flare up again. Nari, make a dexterity saving throw, difficulty 18, plus four. 19. <laughs> you made it. All right, this flame erupts up again. 11 fire damage, halved to five. All right, I'm not, I'm not feeling great. <laughs> great. And Nari, it is your turn. All right, um, I am going to again swing out with my axe. Uh, with disadvantage. For 17 to hit. Perfect, okay, yeah, that's that's gonna hit. Nice, okay. That does 10 damage. Um, okay. And then again, I'm gonna use that axe of the adjudicator and try to get him to grovel. Okay, well, I now realize something I forgot last time. He has advantage on this roll. He's gotta get, what, a 13? Yes. Uh, oh, that's a 12 plus 
Two. That's a 14. Ah. He saves. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm still going to go at him again. Uh, ah, 10 to hit. So I'm assuming that ah. doesn't hit. That misses. Okay. I am going to take a step back and kind of stand over um, next to kind of between Pine and Bruce. That's your turn. And his legendary action is negated now because nobody is, with, is within five feet of that grate back up to the top of the initiative initiative 20 again the steam cloud disappears and again he starts stomping on the ground and almost like throwing a tantrum and i need everyone to make dexterity saving throws difficulty 15. pine got a nat 20 for 28. nari got a 17. plus four (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) jeff got a 12 plus four to 16. And Evie rolled a nat one this time, so he ended up with a seven. Okay. <laughs> so this and time, Ebby's the only one that falls down. No, yeah, because Kobe rolled a natural 20. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joff, you are up. You can see this thing now. It looks like it is definitely the worst for wear. Okay. I'm going to strike out at it with my scimitar for a 20 to hit. That will hit. For nine, nine uh, slashing and nine. Oh my gosh! I'm rolling, I'm rolling four d six, and I got nine on my precision. So eighteen total for that. He is rough. Then I'm gonna come. I'm gonna throw my chakram up at him as well. Um, and when I'm throwing the chakram, so I'm hitting him in the legs. But when I'm throwing my chakram, I'm aiming more for his head. And I got a nineteen to hit with the chakram. That is gonna hit for seven damage. He is not immune to psychic damage. You stab him in the leg, and as you stab him in the leg, you see it kind of stumble backwards and its head kind of tips back, and you feel in your hand, Squire hand you that chakram, and you hurl it with all your might, and it takes the thing's head clean off, (laughs) and it crumbles to the ground dead. And you guys have managed to beat the Forge Master Ormek. Cue victory music. That was a close call, guys. Yeah, yeah that hey. was hot. <laughs> <laughs> something I forgot to do. I wanted to do it every single one of my turns. And when my turn would come up, something had happened where I'm like, ah. Um, the, the whole time I wanted to be like, our mission is your mission. <laughs> and I never said that to it to try to like oh. keep it from attacking us. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, um, so here's what happened. Actually, you know what? I, I think that once you saw this construct, you would have realized that this is not a, uh, this is not one of those Ormex that has like a, a soul inside of it. This is more the, the strict kind of regimented robotic um, uh, automaton style. Yeah, no, no reasoning, just right. following protocols. Exactly. Um, So here's where we are. You guys are in this large room. The forges, the uh, the furnaces on the on the western wall are all put out. The ones on the eastern wall are still alight, and you can still see fire glowing uh, in these eight grates. But it has definitely dimmed overall. And as this large construct tumbles to the ground and starts to fall apart into pieces, you can see that. 
there is some crystal inside that was powering this thing along with a large furnace just um, blazing away uh, and the fire goes out. Um, and so you can still see some heat radiating off of this Ormec, but it has definitely died down. And here you are in this room. Um, now that everything has calmed down, you can see that um, the room you came in from is kind of in the northwest corner. And the only thing else in this room besides the forges and these grates is in the northeastern corner. You can see that there is uh, a double door um, like you have been seeing that it looks like it slides uh, in, in a slot and maybe opens. Uh, but that is the only other thing that you see in this room currently. Quick, loot its body. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can find some new hands to go with your new feet. Ooh. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, the hands are the size of Ebby. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so metal? Uh, <laughs> it is indeed a lot of metal, yes. Well, okay, so I know we have been removing kind of the, 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 the power core from the, the automatons we've been fighting. Do you suppose we should do that here? This thing serves a purpose. It seems to be protecting um, something very important, uh, keeping it out of, the, out of the reach of the Angel of Inevitability. Should we allow it to be repaired? Maybe you're right. Maybe we shouldn't tamper with it at all and just kind of leave it be. Uh, quickly, Paul, while there's still a little bit of time on the unicorn totem, yeah. I want to cast uh, another level three a Cure Wounds on Nari. Okay. Um, just to try to give her <laughs> a little you. bit of extra hit points. So another 17 hit points. And then again, everybody gets the additional eight. Oh, man, that is you guys are tough. Um, so I got a quick question for, for you, Sabrina. How low did Nari get hit point wise? Uh, she got to about 11 hit points. Okay. Okay. So it was not looking great. Yeah. One more hit and she could have been down. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. If, yeah. If somebody's really interested in crunching some numbers, listening to our podcast, I'd be very interested to know how many total hit points Nari lost throughout that combat. Oh yeah. No With Ebby healing her the whole time. That yeah. would have been a lot of damage. Yeah, that was that was pretty huge. All right. Well, you guys are here. Um, Colbury kind of wanders back over uh, to you guys as the unicorn totem disappears. Kenny's X talk comes back to your hands, uh, Pine. You can almost see in kind of the in kind of the heat radiating off of this Ormec as it as it is dying. Um, you can uh, almost see the shape, the silhouette of Field Marshal Kenny as he hands the X talk back to you. Handle first. I'll do the Menorese salute as I take it back. Jeff will also dispel his Bayard uh, insignia shield as um, Colbury is walking up, um, mostly because he doesn't want Colbury to see it. Colbury seems uh, distracted by this huge construct that is between you and him. So you don't think he actually saw it. Okay, okay. So we've seen some very large constructs so far. Um, we, we saw the, the sleeping bishop. We saw the initial guardian um, in the previous facility we were at. This is another um, unique, but very large, very powerful guardian. This one's twice as big as the bishop, twice as tall. So like four times as like heavy and massive as the, uh, as the bishop was. Does it look like it was maybe built for... More than just defense. I mean, this is a forge. Was it? Is it also like a, a creator, a fabricator robot? Uh, you can make uh, investigation checks or uh, insight checks. I will go ahead and make an investigation. Can we kind of help him and kind of poke around the body too and see what we find? That is that is one hundred percent okay. Yes, uh, thirteen. Um, 
So as you're looking at this uh, at this uh, uh, this huge construct, you're pretty sure that the um, this construct was not built for um, fighting for defense. Uh, that this is this was literally running this forge, and um, maybe this is where they were building uh, different automatons, different Ormex. Uh, maybe this is where the bodies were built. Um, and with a thirteen, that is all I can. Uh, that's all the information I can give you. Well, this, I, I, I believe this creature was building the automatons here. I'm wondering if it had a hand in, in building the, the bodies for your people, Ebby. That's entirely possible. What would be interesting is just to know how many of these facilities exist out there. Is this the only one, or have there, are there many? What has your research told you, Colbury? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I feel that I'm, I'm not sure... I don't know how many facilities there are, but I do feel that this one, this one is important. The crystal engine, I think it's down here. Well, it's got to be behind those doors over there. Yeah, unless we want to remove a grate and look down in where the, the metal's mel- melting. I've, uh, I've been on fire enough for today. I'll pass on that one. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So do we, are, we all in, are we all in agreement that we'll, We'll let this one be repaired if it's even possible. We're not going to dig around in its surprisingly goopy insides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I I feel like every time we fight one of these big guys, it's like a couple days later, a week or two, we end up fighting an adjudicator. So um, if this pattern keeps to it. I don't know. We might be a couple weeks out from a crazy fight with an adjudicator. Ebby looks over at Colbury. You're not an adjudicator, are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he uh, kind of laughs. Like, no, no, not, not an adjudicator. I'm trying to remember the tattoo. See, there was the sword. There was the axe. There was a, there was a book with a knife. And there was what else was there? Mm. I'm just trying to think of what weapons we might get from another adjudicator fight. <laughs> Yes, because this axe is so handy. You want me to tell you what they were? Yeah, remind us. Uh, you saw a sword on fire that reminded you of Adjudicator Rolf's sword. Um, you saw the axe with the horns behind it, which was um, Adjudicator Ulrich's axe. And that those horns were the horns from his helmet. Um, you also saw a book that was open with a sword-shaped bookmark. You saw a pillow with a dagger. And you saw a like an orb. An orb could be useful, maybe. <laughs> a pillow sounds nice about now, too. That's <laughs> true, yes. Uh, do we dare rest down here, or should we keep pressing on? I'm feeling healthy enough to keep moving. Yeah. Abby's definitely helped me out as, as much as I probably can be for now. You gave us a scare there, Joff. You know, I didn't expect to fall down as soon as I walked into the room. Uh, there's some very heavy hitters in here, and... Uh, Maybe we need to come up with a new strategy for opening doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's fine. Why don't why don't you take the doors from here on out and I'll follow close behind you? Okay, yes. If even if they need to be picked, you can pick them. You, Perfect. You, you tell me if they're open or whatever, if they're trapped, any of that. But then when it comes to opening the door, it'll be me or Nari, maybe even Ebby. Ebby, you are. You are like you're built like a tank. <laughs> that armor on. Stout, you know. <laughs> That's right. All right, shall we move on? Thick with a couple of C's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's keep going. Let's find this crystal engine thing. 
Colbury, do you know anything about that? The Crystal Engine? Yeah. I know that the Crystal Engine was important. I know that from what I've read, it needed to be protected from this inevitability cult that was trying to get to it. I know that the disc that you had is some kind of a key, a failsafe for it. What does it do? I, I don't know. All right. Do you know? Do I detect that he's holding anything back? Uh, you can make an insight check, but he's going to ask, is there anything that you know that might help me figure this out? We can maybe pool our knowledge. Jeff got a 16 on insight. I, I don't know anything about any of this stuff. I'm, I'm honestly just here for Abby. Oh, Joe. I, I, what I mean by that is, well, I guess a Nari too in this one. We know what you mean. Aw, no take backsies. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is you ask them. They're the, they're the ones that know anything about this stuff. With your 16, you don't think he's holding anything back necessarily. Okay. I think there's still a lot that we are still trying to understand as well. Uh, we've encountered bits and pieces here, and I think we have a lot of the pieces to the puzzle, but they're not all in the right spots, if you know what I mean. So it's difficult to say exactly what we understand going into this. I uh, hate to be the bringer of bad news, but maybe maybe this isn't the best time to be talking about it. And Nari will kind of glance towards like the all the furnaces and the dead guy on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and her singed clothes. Yes. And your and your burned hair and you smell terrible like burned hair. <laughs> you're bald now. <gasps> no, I'm kidding. You're not bald now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have a lovely chamber pot you can wear on your head if you'd like. <laughs> While this conversation is going on, Pine actually is not there. Pine's still over by this this big robot that we that we defeated. And he, he mixed feelings. Um he's kind of looking it over almost reverential. Um mm-hmm. thinking but basically this very well could have been like for all intents and purposes, Ebby's mom. You know, uh, creating the bodies potentially <laughs> for for Ebby's people. Um, and also, def- you know, like its mission is our mission. And so it's, it's kind of like this. It's almost like a. Um, a soul, like a, a soldier respecting another honorable soldier. Before he comes and joins. And also he was looking around for a, a perfect skipping rock in the area um, from all of the, the shaking <laughs> and everything. And I, he only rolled a four on his investigation, so he did not find one. Yeah, no, sorry. No perfect skipping rocks. Awesome. All right. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, I imagine it's kind of weird that this, uh, this being, this construct was uh, literally trying to do the same thing that you guys are trying to do, but, um, but attacked. Um, not knowing a friend from foe. Yeah. And, and maybe not Ebby's, maybe Ebby's mom was a bit, you know, maybe the womb from which <laughs> Ebby's body sprung, but still, <laughs> still gross. <laughs> I just imagine that little book. Like, are you my mommy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. gosh. Poor Ebby. Oh gosh. Well, very good. Well, what is, uh, what are you guys going to do? You guys have these double doors in this Northeastern um, section of the room. Um, that are still closed. Other than that, it looks like that's pretty much all there is in here. Pine is ready to open the doors as soon as Joff gives him the word. Okay. Joff will walk up to the door and to check if it's trapped or locked. Okay. Why don't you make a, either uh, an investigation, make an investigation check first. 
Got a 13 investigation. But I'm going to use my ability because, you know, it resets every day and add a D8. Uh, so 20. 20. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, with your 20 investigation, as you look at these doors, these doors look um, slightly different than the other doors. Not um, substantially different, but it looks like these doors are maybe a little bit thinner than the other doors. Um, like they're not as thick. Um, and um, you kind of check them and it looks like they're not locked um but uh, they they're kind of stiff as you try to kind of open them up you feel like if you wanted to force it you could get them open um not like you have to even roll for it but like these these doors are are not as free freely opening as the other doors have all been okay should we listen behind it before we bust it open is it like they haven't been opened in a very long time is that kind of the idea that i'm getting possibly but the other doors haven't been opened in a very long time either yeah. Okay. All right. It looks like it's fine to open. We could listen on the other side, but all right, hold on to your butts. And Pine's going to open the door. You open the door. And the only way I can think of to describe it is it's like, have you ever been at like a store with like the automatic doors that won't open for you? Like there's a power outage or something and you actually have to f push them open. Has that ever happened to anybody? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's how stiff they are. You can open them, and they will open, but it's like there's not power to them, uh, whereas the other doors have all opened nice and cleanly. This, These doors open into a, a large square room, 15 by 15 feet. I say it's large, not compared to the room you were just in, but it's large considering there is nothing in here. It is just a large square room that um, seems a little bit different than the other rooms. You can't quite put your finger on it. Uh, the door we just opened is a mimic's mouth. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and we're about no, to no. just feed ourselves oh, to man. it. <laughs> Ebby's going to kind of move past them and walk in there and just do a quick investigation in there. Perfect. Make an investigation check. It's yeah, pretty Brian easy. will help him, actually. Okay. Ooh, yes, please. And Nari will kind of follow close behind just in case they get into trouble. Ebby rolled a 16 on investigation. Okay. Uh, it's pretty easy. As you guys walk in... Um, Ebby, when you step in, you're 300 pounds. Um, you feel as you step down the floor, it doesn't like shake or shimmy or wobble, but you feel it has just the slightest little bit of give to it. Like the whole floor just kind of sinks a little bit under your weight. Just the, just the tiniest bit, barely perceptible. And as you step into the room and you step in the middle and you turn around, you can see that next to the doors on the inside, um, there is a lever that right now is in the up position and it can be pulled down. Okay, all aboard, everyone. Your people invented elevators. Joff will step in. Okay, Cobra steps in as well. All right, I think uh, Ebby will reach forward and pull down the lever. Okay, you pull down the lever and the doors close and you feel a sudden and then you get that sinking feeling as the floor goes slowly down. Um, it So before all the doors that have opened um, have all been very, very smooth. Um, everything's kind of opened on the tracks and everything's been uh, very, very well built. You get the impression that this, you know, quote unquote elevator is also well built, but it moves very slowly. Every once in a while it will shake and shudder even a couple times it has stopped and you hear some grinding and then it will kind of 
break through something and it'll start to, and it'll drop a little bit and then it will continue its downward descent. Um, so you guys are on this elevator and it is going to descend for quite some time. So as you are descending, is there anything anybody wants to talk about? No one would ever find our bodies down here. <laughs> Great. Brilliant. Well, I'd, I'd like to think that my family might come looking for me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, what a magnificent grave, though. <laughs> if this were to be our mausoleum, we have adventured through here. It'd be, it'd be an, okay, an okay place for this, for this old man to be entombed if, if it came to it. That's very morbid. I plan to survive. <laughs> I do too. I just, I don't know. My mind goes there sometimes. I understand. As the elevator continues its descent, Colbury um, kind of finds a corner, sits down, pulls out a sheet of paper, and starts writing down notes about what has, what has transpired. He, is, he will talk with you guys, but he is not going to initiate any conversation at this point. He's too busy documenting everything that's happened. Pine will go over next to Joff. As we descend. Yeah. Mr. Pine, I've, I've got something I want to ask you. Yeah, I could, I could tell that, I could tell that there's, um, there's a pensiveness to you recently. Something's been bothering me and it's been bothering me for weeks now, honestly. Um, I don't, I don't know. I have a question and I can't come up with the answer to it myself. And I'll just throw it out there. How do you know when it's okay to kill someone? Like, how do you justify it? And how do you distinguish murder from any other sort of killing? That is a, that is a good question. And one that um, I think every soldier struggles with. Um, we don't always get to choose the battlefields that we, that, we, that, we, that we take. It's one that I've struggled with as well. I just, the more I think about this question, the reason I can't come up with an answer is, is even if it's, you know, we're talking soldiers in a battlefield, I see the soldiers as the same from whatever side they're coming from. They're just following orders from their commanders. And I just, I don't know. Just doesn't sit right with me. I, I understand that as well. You, you know, I have, I have three children. You know this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you hum songs about them, and you, you talk about them as we travel. So we yeah, yeah. Well, well, Tamrid, you've met in yeah. passing. Um, obviously, not on the side of the war that I would have chosen for him. Yeah, I have a daughter as well, my oldest, Sanya. She, uh, last I heard, she was a captain in the Imperial Army. Really. Well, yes. Um, when when Menarest fell, there was an offer given to soldiers who had once fought against the Empire to join the Imperial military. <laughs> She'd followed in my footsteps. She um, she 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 wanted to be like me, and and it wasn't always easy being a good role model for her, especially when. She decided to take the the imperial offer. <laughs> so she went from serving men arrest to serving the empire. Wow. That must have felt like a betrayal to you. Oh yes. Very much so. I I regret the last words I had with her. I think I understand better the choice that she was that she made. It was 
She had built her whole life around the role of of a soldier in the military. And this was the only choice she really had. She was young. Yeah. But I guess I understand what you're saying as far as one soldier being the same. Every time we fight any Imperial soldiers, I can't help but see her face among them. Yeah. Well, I it's something that I'd never considered. I'd I just as I was always following orders, you know, doing things for myself and for the Howling Talon. I don't know, something about the way Alia Brava was killed just rubbed me the wrong way. And I just can't shake this thought that I, I don't know when it's okay to even kill someone. And, and your your story, it bring, or your thank you for sharing that with me, but it, it brings this an interesting question that I want to ask. Would you... Would you kill your daughter? Oh, never. Then why would you kill anyone else? Because there's someone else's daughter. That is true. And and where possible, I've tried to avoid shedding the blood of those mm. of those people we fought. Yeah. I understand I, I completely understand what your question. What it comes down to is what everyone is fighting for. That's the only, that's the difference at this point in my mind. Mm. We are fighting against aggressors. We are fighting against invaders. We are fighting against those who would change our way of life, force upon us the worship of a foreign god, who would take our children for their foreign wars. You know, when mm. we, when, when I was fighting in the Menorys Legion, we were defending our home. And I'm not saying that Menoresters always had the most noble um, combats, the most the most noble campaigns. But as far as my involvement, it was by and large defensive operations. And that alone let me sleep at night, knowing that what I was trying to do was protect those people and their way of life from outside influence. And that's what we're continuing to do. Hmm. So when is it okay to kill? I think it's okay to kill and protecting those things from people who would take it from you. Hmm. I've just got a lot to think about. I've been, you've probably noticed I've been writing in this notebook every time I get a chance at night and I'm just trying to work out my thoughts on, on this and a lot of other things. I just, I don't know. I'd never put any thought into the motive for anything that I've done. It really wasn't until I turned in my gear to Howling Talon that I, had a chance to reflect and think about the type of person that I am. And, and I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the type of person I want to be looks like. Joff, this is very encouraging. Yeah. These are the kinds of thoughts that a good person, that a good leader needs to have. <laughs> I'm being no. s- completely serious. And I mean, I mean, I look at I look at uh, Joff and I kind of um, with finger quotes say a good leader <laughs> needs to uh. needs to ask these questions and and understand the value of human life in all the decisions that they make. Yeah, I I don't know that I'm cut out to be a leader. I've got some thoughts on that, but I'm I I haven't decided exactly what I'm going to do, but. If it, if I don't even know what to say, I don't even know where to begin on that because it's, it's so foreign to the life that I've led 
that I don't know that I could ever step into a leadership role. Well, let me just say this, Joff. Having a crisis of conscience means that you have a conscience, and that is very encouraging for a leader. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in no small part due to the the time that I've spent with, with you three. We are good influences. <laughs> I'm very glad. I'm very glad. This is... um. Never have I ever felt as close to anyone that I've served with before. I count you as more than friends. Mm. I count you as work colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Where did you get that line from? <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I, I, I count you as more than friends. You have become... You've become more. You've become brothers and a sister to me. Hmm. I love how Nari says that she's a good influence and she's the one who's like, we gotta, get, we gotta do rocks, guys. We gotta do rocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't that. It was the, it was the way she got stabbed over and over again. Yeah. By Nari's Nilla. She got stabbed by Nilla, yeah. Nilla. Nilla, yeah. Nilla stabbed her over and over. Nilla's got some issues. <laughs> I will say, though, that that manner of execution, it turned my stomach as well. Yeah. All right. Joff and Pine, as you guys are having this conversation, uh, anybody who wants to take a short rest can take one as this elevator ride keeps grinding to a halt and then slowly kind of pushing past whatever whatever barrier is there and then clunk moves further down. And you guys are in this elevator for about an hour. Um, I am going to use an ability that I forgot I had. I'm going to use my discipline focused restorative breath which uh, allows me to recover a spell slot no no higher than level two. And then that um, discipline focus comes back on a short rest. All right. Yeah, so I think Nari will kind of be sitting there uh, looking at her arm and kind of sort of studying the tattoos and will, um, in the moment of silence, say, any anyone remember those other tattoos that the canvas had on his back? It I seems like those were really important. Right. There was, um, I seem to remember there was a, there was a flying cat and then another cat that was afraid of it. There was a wolf mourning a dead wolf. And there was, um, there was something that was like green, right? There was a green one. Yes. It was like a green eye that was broken into pieces. Oh, that's right. That's right. And one of the pieces was, was separated from the rest, right? Hmm. I believe that's right. Do you guys have an idea of what it might mean? There, there was, there were more, weren't there, Paul? Weren't there more? Yes, there were more. Okay. So there were seven swords with the tips stuck in the ground that were all chained together. Um, there were five black spirals surrounding a six-pointed star. There was a bird's claw that was snatching a crown. And there was a, uh, a fox lying in a circle surrounding a bird. Okay, well, um, Joff, uh, Colby, cover your ears. <laughs> he, kinda, he, he's, he looks up from his writing. He's like, huh, huh? Um, oh, uh, um. We're just talking shop. He's like, if you can't trust me now, then how can you expect me to trust you? Well, all I was saying is that some of these tattoos may have reference to us. And I'm thinking that maybe the, um, that one that probably very obviously is you, Joff. Yeah. That's what I thought too. 
And then I was thinking about the swords in the ground that were chained together. There were seven of them. Yes. Yeah, seven. Well, I was thinking, those are swords at rest. Those are swords that are no longer useful. I'm wondering, and it seems very symbolic, but I'm wondering if that is the provinces of the Empire, all chained together. But how many provinces are there? Colbert says six. Hmm. Maybe not then. Well, there was the six-pointed star. Hmm. If it's a prophecy, maybe something happens when they get seven. Colbury, you are party to more privileged conversations than we are as far as the Empire is concerned. Any idea if the uh, Empire has any designs on any of the other neighboring provinces? Oh, that is a great question. Let me make a roll to see what he actually might know. Um, with his intelligence score, he rolled a 14. He's pretty intelligent. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, what he says is what I've managed to glean in my conversations and in my dealings with higher ups in the, uh, in the uh, empire. Um, it seems to me that Emperor Gantanius does have his eye set on expanding the empire. However, from what I could tell, Chancellor Ramsey was one of the leading voices that kept him in check from overstretching his forces. Whoops. <laughs> Maybe having his forces overstretched will be good for us, though. Hmm, that's true. No time, like, to attack the heart when he's looking someplace else. If only yes. we had allies in uh, the Alma province. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a B team. Yes. <laughs> that would be so convenient oh yeah yeah we'll just have to wait for the next holiday to find out what to. <laughs> oh dude that's right that's right so we had the okay our characters don't know this but anybody listening to the podcast will know that when we were in Houghton or on our way to Houghton we noticed that there were not as many soldiers as there should have been on that path so maybe they are off fighting for another province yeah, there were actually like way, way stations and, and watchtowers that were not being manned. Well, you guys don't know that, though. It's true. Colby, another question for you. Do you know the remaining um, adjudicators? That's a very good question. Let me see what he knows about the adjudicators. We're in the mood to shop for their weapons. <laughs> <laughs> he rolled a four, which plus his intelligence modifier brings him to an eight. Um, he, I did not study much the adjudicatorium, the uh, the Tower of Judgment. Um, in fact, Rolf was the first adjudicator that I had actually met in person. And he was so new, I, I didn't even know who he was when he first came to Tabory. Hmm. He was Menorese, you know. I did know that, yes. Hmm. Any other ideas about the other tattoos? The, the fox and the bird have me stumped. I mean, the bird always makes me think of, of you, Abby. Just, you know, because of the wings and all. Well, and, 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 and Nora, you have red hair like a fox. Maybe you're protecting Ebby. Maybe you are prophesied to be his protector. <laughs> that seems unlikely. He, he's been protecting me most of the night, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Very good. Well, as the elevator continues to descend, you guys finish your short rest, burning whatever hit dice you need to do. Um, I, I think you guys might actually be back to full thanks to Ebby's amazing healing. Yes. The elevator, it comes to a stop. 
and you can tell this time that it actually has stopped. That grinding sound as it was trying to break through gristle or whatever it is, um, has stopped. And the elevator comes to a rest. The door is open and you are standing in a room. Uh, the room is about 25 feet by 25 feet. Um, and you can see on the western um, uh, wall, there is a large archway that uh, opens into a, a hallway that extends further west, a wide hallway. And in this room and in the hallway, you can see on the wall, there are these crystal apparatus uh, lanterns that are glowing, this kind of solid kind of yellowish color uh, is illuminating these uh, this room as well as the hallway. And as you are standing there in this room, you can see that the hallway goes uh, west a little ways and then it turns, uh, it, like comes to a 90 degree angle and heads south. Well, Joff, do you want to go take a peek? Just don't go all the way in. All right, I'll move, I'll move ahead. Pine will move about halfway up there too, stealthily. Okay. So Joff got a 23 on stealth. I'll, I'll advance up to the corner to peek around the edge. And Pine got a 21, so he'll go about, go about halfway, so he's close. Perfect. All right, Joff, as you peek around the edge, you can see this hallway heads south, and on the western wall and on the eastern wall of this south hallway, there is a door on each side, but this hallway ends in another large archway that opens up into this grand room with this intricately tiled floor. You can see in this grand room that rocks have fallen. There's a lot of debris. And at the far end of this room, the southernmost uh, edge of the room, you can see there is this large sheet of crystal that extends from floor to ceiling and it is mix of red orange yellow green light blue dark blue purple and white crystal all kind of interlaced and joff as you look you can see sticking out of the crystal you see a head covered in a dark hood it is a dark dark red so red and so dark it's almost black and you can see underneath the head, there is a, a hand. It looks like it is armored in dark red armor. And in that hand is a sword, a black sword that at the tip is red. This being looks to be probably 10 or 12 feet tall. And you can see as you glance over, you can see the head is moving slightly and the hand is moving. Whatever is stuck in that crystal wall is alive. And that's where we're gonna stop for tonight. Oh, oh, man. oh man. Awesome, guys. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you for playing. I am so glad that you guys survived the battle with that massive Ormek upstairs. Um, I wanted to let Ebby know if you wanted to attune to those feet during the descent, you could have done that. Um, so oh, whatever okay. you want to switch your attunements out for. Cool. You remind me, what were, what were they called again? Um, I don't remember what they were called. Oh, um, the actual name of them is Boots of Levitation. Boots of Levitation. Right. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um, so you guys have descended down this deep elevator into the sixth floor of whatever this facility is. And it looks like there might be some surprises just around the corner. So... Until next time, when we get back together, I hope you guys have a great time. Oh, and leave us a rating and review and tell your friends. <laughs> yep. Have a great time. 
Have a great time, guys. <laughs>